It's Wednesday, June 17th, 2020. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Hey, Chet, I'm not sure the world of sports didn't take major steps backwards until today, since last Wednesday night when we talked to Sam Carcidi and Tom Moore. I'm not sure these sports are going to get it all together, although hockey yesterday looked like it was in the lead. Basketball might be in the lead today. It's a day-to-day thing, Bill. I mean, yeah, you got a few NBA guys saying, hold on a minute here. The NFL's got a couple of teams in Texas uh, with players having reported, you know, positive tests for coronavirus. Time is running out in any shot of a baseball season, although there is some more to progress today. So that is good news. Maybe they will actually uh, have some baseball for us. Several of the Flyers are already in Voorhees practicing. That's a good sign. And, hey, getting back to baseball, Bill, I know you will, Bill, but everybody else stick around for my parting shot tonight because I'm going to review the series Brockmire about a down-on-his-luck baseball announcer that a lot of people, I think, will enjoy. All right. Sounds good. I'm not uh, up to speed on Brockmire, so uh, I'll be anxious to hear that. But, hey, we're going to get the latest on the Sixers, most importantly, in the NBA from Sixers Outsider co-host Crystal Rich returns to Philly Press Box Radio. We'll talk baseball with former Phillies scouting director Marty Walliver, who's now with the Marlins. Uh, he visits to give us his views on what's going on with Major League Baseball and the Phillies' modified draft that just took place. Yeah, a uh, lot going on, a lot going on, Bill. Um, Brandon Brooks' injury for the Eagles, that's not good news. We're going to talk about that later on. Not a lot of people, unlike the O-line guys, like you pay attention to the offensive line, but Brandon Brooks has been one of the birds best players the last few years and the injury bug has got him again unfortunately those are big shoes to fill so yeah we will talk about all that later and everything else you mentioned yeah well Brandon Brooks is a big part of that team and we don't even know if we're going to have football but we do think we're going to have basketball so let's get to that that's welcomed as we said Sixers outsider co-host Crystal Rich back to Philly Press Box Radio Crystal welcome I know you have a ton of information for us today Guys, thank you so much for having me. What a crazy time it has been since the NBA was suspended. And now we can all at least be hopeful that it will make its return next month. Let's hope. Yeah, we do hope. Hey, Crystal, uh, first of all, uh, how are you holding up with everything that's been going on the last few months? The pandemic, the protests, and of course, the lack of basketball. Man, this has been obviously the first pandemic of our lifetime, but it seems like to me it has been very eventful. I'm fortunate enough to have some really great things going in my personal life, so I've been holding up pretty well. Without sports, I feel like I always have something to do that I'm working on. Um, A lot of people don't know I'm a published author, so I do a lot of writing. And just from the protests and seeing the nation really – having to be forced without any distractions of sports or anything else entertainment wise really going on in the world to see them have to sit still and pay attention to certain issues. I think it's great. Um, I don't think if there was a pandemic that unfortunately has killed over 116,000 Americans and much more people around the world that we would 
uh, have this time to really just sit down and focus on much larger issues in life than sports. So I think that is a good thing. But at the same time, a lot of these things can be mentally draining. Well, you mentioned your personal life. Let's go there first. Uh, you got some big news to celebrate or, or to share. I guess you're ready to share. Um, tell us about it. Yeah, well, I did. I did announce on my social media that uh, I am engaged and it happened uh, in Costa Rica when there are only two cases in New York City and we came back to about 100. So, uh, of course, a lot of people know my fiance, Dom Bell, who is the sports director over at CBS Sports Philly. And that is the big news. It's hard to plan a wedding in the pandemic, but we're trying our best. I'm going to mention Don later. I have a question for you, but uh, I'll okay. save that to the very end. Uh, all right, let's get to the NBA. Congratulations, by the Thank way. You. So, Crystal, the NBA is looking to finish the regular season with, I guess, 22 teams and then a 16-team playoff setup, all happening down in Orlando. Kyrie Irving leading a small coalition that wants to derail the plans. Maybe I don't think that's going to happen. Is the NBA going to pull this off? Uh, they sent out this big 115-page or whatever manifesto with all the rules and regulations tell us about some of those crazy rules that these players are going to have to be in for yeah uh to answer your first question are they going to be able to pull it off i i do think i first of all i give them so much credit for coming out with something that is very detailed and we look at other leagues like the mlb and we're just you know, praying these guys can get a conversation going. I think it's refreshing to see a league that has actually literally tried to think of everything down to if you play cards with someone else, you have to throw the deck out afterwards. And don't worry, there will be enough cards provided. So kudos to the NBA. However, I do think, and this is coming from a sports journalist, someone who makes her living doing sports, that this is going to be very difficult to pull off. Not only are some players frustrated, but think about it. There are 22 teams, 15 players to a team. That's 330 players that they have to make sure they do not get infected. And they do have a plan to do a lot of tests. But also there is a report that came out today that says it's not just the NBPA that's worried. It's the coaches union as well, because you think of Greg Popovich, who's 71 and Mike D'Antoni who is 69 there's just a lot of people at risk here and we know that on the court there is no such thing as social distancing mm -hmm. not if you're playing any kind of defense however when you get into your personal life and no one's allowed into your room and you can go on team outings but it has to be six feet apart and even in the players only room they expect I, I personally don't think this would happen, that every single player has to be six feet apart at all times. In my mind, if a player is saying, well, hey, if I'm right next to you, shoulder to shoulder on the court, then why do we have to do uh, six feet apart off the court literally as soon as we step off? So there are some crazy rules. There's, there's something like uh, NBA whistleblowers, and they're going to have an anonymous hotline yeah. for people who are breaking the rules and I think just that in itself is going to prove itself to be uh, a little bit outrageous because they you know someone's feeling a little bit petty one day and someone's standing five feet close to them that they don't really like guess what guess who I'm calling anonymously I'm gonna call, I'm gonna call someone up so uh, there, there's a lot of rules. Thankfully, there's a lot of testing going on. I think that's a good thing. They also have to wear magic bands um, 
to gain access to certain places. And if it lights up green, you can go, you're fine. And if it lights up a different color, you need more testing. It's like literally living a, a sci-fi movie. Did they say anywhere in the in those 113 pages about their families? You know, these guys are going to be expected to leave their families, I think, for a couple of months at a time. Uh, that that's that's a sticking point for sure. Yeah, and I also think that's another reason that this will be difficult for them to play off. And it's also a reason why, obviously, I am really excited for basketball to come back. But I don't think basketball will be at its peak level if this never happened because we only get eight seeding games before the playoffs start and once the playoffs start you can't have your family or a guest around until this second round so players when they play when they start the playoffs they already have tunnel vision it's it's really just the ring that a lot of them like lebron james like joel Embiid, they cut off social media they delete the apps and they only concentrate on the game and their family and for them to have to go to their rooms all by themselves they can only facetime during like one of the most difficult points of the season i really think that's going to be tough and granted it's only until the second round during the second round and and further you're allowed to have people over but then you also have to you know pay for their own hotels you're potentially putting them at risk too even though they have very strict precautions that they have to operate under as well so Yes, I think it's, it's going to be extremely difficult. They do provide e telemedicine, which is a virtual mental health check-in. But even that, at times, I, I doubt will be enough to get the players where they need to be mentally with all the social distancing. So, Crystal, with all the games down in Disney World and no fans, it'll be a neutral court situation for everybody. Uh, the Sixers, of course, were great at home, not so great on the road, but this is going to be neutral court. What's it going to be like for all these teams also playing with no fans in the house? Yeah, it's going to be pretty weird. I think it's going to be pretty weird. And remember, before everyone started really taking coronavirus pretty seriously. Even LeBron James said like, hey, I played for the fans. I'm not playing with no fans. Of course, he later retracted that statement, but it is a weird sensation to be out there and play with no fans from the littlest league that you have, young boys who are six, seven, and girls who are very, very young, AAU, high school, middle school, they all have fans there. And like you mentioned, the Sixers are so great at home. And Ben Simmons has joked in the past and said, we're scared to lose at home. That that home court advantage is really real for the Sixers. So it'll be interesting to see how they perform without any fans at all. And, and you have to remember, it's not just the fans cheering them, but they also won't have fans to boo them. So maybe they'll do worse in certain scenarios, but maybe they will potentially do better. I, I don't think this is exclusively weird to the Sixers. I think it's going to be weird for absolutely everyone, but to see the Sixers who, in my opinion, still have a lot of gelling to do, uh, do so without any fans or any encouragement from fans when they're doing well. Yeah, and you know, the other thing in this whole mix, too, that I don't even know that I've even read about is the referees. You know, you have to have referees to do all these games. Are they going to be the same guys that they're going to run them out there every day also and keep obviously keep them quarantined and doing the same things? Um, that, that's a touchy situation, too, especially, you know, you mentioned somebody had a bad day. They pick up the phone. Well, 
you know, you have a bad day with a ref the next one day and you got him again the next day and the next day, that's not good either. Yeah, it's it's really not. And and when you think about it, the refs aren't 20 years old. They're not 30 years old. They're not 40 years old. These are older gentlemen who are also at risk, just like the coaches union where they mentioned as well that they have some concerns about the bubble and to uh, really, you're really kind of putting them at risk as well. Although they will probably have to go through some of the same protocols. There, it, there's a lot of risk. It, it's a lot of risk. And, you know, the fans, we want what we want. We want basketball and we're willing to put people's lives on the line. That's why I said, it will be great if we can pull this out with any, without any, um, without anyone really being infected. But the the fact of the matter is, it's hard to control not just 330 players, but then their families when they are able to come in the second round of the playoffs, and then the coaches and the play, the the staff and the referees to have complete control over everyone. If the NBA is able to pull that off, it might be one of the the greatest things really in sports history well crystal one of the keys for the sixers of course is the health of joel Embiid. he says he's been working out diligently i guess six days a week now uh, are you confident he's going to come back in great shape ready to play you know what this this is obviously a hot topic with joel Embiid. <laughs> is he going to stay in shape during this quarantine and you know what i think it's going to be tough to be quite honest with you, I think it's going to be tough. That has always been something that has haunted him in his career. If he ever has an injury, is he going to come back better? Is he going to come back in shape? But I don't think, again, I don't think this issue is exclusive to Joel Embiid. Like the, the, all the players, they only have eight games to really secure their seat seating and not one player or one team has an advantage over an, uh, over another. Whereas these guys might be kind of in shape, but I don't think anyone is really coming in in the late season shape that they have to be to go into the playoffs. So I do think we'll see a period of maybe like two to three games where Joel Embiid is still trying to find his rhythm and still trying to get on track. I think he will later on uh, towards the end of the eight games, but I do think that'll be a challenge for him and, and honestly the rest of the players as well. Yeah, I think it's interesting with all the things that we're talking about here. It, and you said it might be a miracle if they could pull it off. Um, you know, they still have to put a quality product out there at the end of all this, too. And, uh, you know, that, that could be a challenge. You got, like you say, you got guys out of shape. You got a whole different, whole different life environment for everyone. Um, and still putting out a quality product is going to be the real challenge in my mind. Yeah, and I think another challenge is also not just putting out the quality product, but keeping your players safe and healthy. I mean, again, kudos to the NBA for providing all the services that they are providing for these players as they keep them in the bubble or at least try to. But I think that if you only have – the biggest thing that I don't like is the only eight ramp-up games before the playoffs because really that's, that's really no time at all. And, yes, you have – I believe it's like – phase 4b when you're finally able to have uh, practices with a team before the season starts 
presumptively uh, July 30th, but that's not enough time to really gel and click with your team and make sure everyone's in shape. And a lot of players like Donovan Mitchell, they'll be coming up on contract years. So if you don't have a lot of a ramp up period before the playoffs where you have to put your heart and soul and your physical body on the line every single night, fight through whatever pain, I think that's going to be pretty difficult as well. Hey, Crystal, assuming there is a conclusion to the season and it looks like there will be, what does Brett Brown have to do to keep his job? Or does he get an automatic reprieve since there likely be is going to be such a short offseason? Good question. That is always the question. What is Brett Brown's status going to be at the end of the season? A lot of people thought that he was going to be gone last season. And I think it was forcing a game seven and the quadruple doink that really saved his career. If he did not force a game seven, I do think that he probably would have got cut. Now this year also, they put so much into the roster, Elton Brand did, you know, trying to get another big man on the team and getting really long defensively with Al Horford. And of course, you know, the, the original sin of this team was not surrounding Ben Simmons Ben Simmons with shooting but I I personally really believe that there is such a dynamic on the Sixers where Elton Brand used to play for Brett Brown so it's like he sometimes seems like the grown-up in the room and when I say he I'm talking about Brett Brown so I think there might be a little bit of a a strange dynamic to the whole situation where you have an Elton Brand firing a Brett Brown without him really doing the full season. So I know a lot of fans really want that to happen. And unless there is like a dramatic first round exit, I almost think that there will be an excuse made for Brett Brown or a reason given for Brett Brown to keep him for another season so he can have the full entire year to go. Like even last year, everyone was calling for his job although he had 50-plus wins that season and and made it almost out of the second round if it wasn't for that famous Kawhi shot. Well, Crystal, I have to ask you, it's probably the elephant in the room question, but, uh, you know, some of the some of the players talking about not playing because of what's going on in, in the real world. Um, do you see that actually happening? Uh, do you see, see that getting any legs? And what what does it do to the NBA if that does happen? Yeah, well, unlike other leagues, the NBA gives a lot of power to the players. We know that the NFL, the players don't have as much power. We saw Le'Veon Bell, you know, try to sit out a season. And in the NFL, it is literally next man up. There are so many uh, talented players out there who are craving your position. The NBA is a little bit different. The powers, the the players have more power, and that's exactly what we're seeing uh, with Kyrie Irving and the rest of the basketball players association. Now, one thing I will say to preface this is I don't think that we should vilify Kyrie Irving because I really think he's just doing his job. There was really, you know, a twenty-eight to one vote of whether this. Uh, playoffs or the rest of the season should be resumed but that's speaking on the ha- on the behalf of 330 players so I, I think he really is just doing his job and and may- being the voice for the players who are almost they feel like they're being forced to play without anyone really asking them so I'll say that first um I, I actually do think there is a potential 
that it won't happen. When I say that, that's the NBA season resuming. I think there's a greater potential that it will come back, but I think that players recognize that when it comes to social justice reform, that this is a time in the world that we have never seen before, where the world was at a standstill and forced to look at issues facing the Black community and the Brown community. And, you know, they can have a, a platform where they reach um, a lot of people so they could play the Black National Anthem, they could take a knee, they can wear shirts, um, either Black Lives Matter or I Can't Breathe. They can do a lot of those things, but the counter argument to that is you could always, you know, pause the, the live TV or walk out the room and just say like, hey, I'm not watching this and just come back when the game starts. So I think there is a possibility that that could happen if enough players are willing to do so. And that's the big key. If they have enough players, there are about 80 players on the call when they were discussing this. And you have to realize if this happens, the NBA has every right to kind of scrap the collective bargaining agreement. So that would hurt players, obviously, in the pocket. Kyrie Irving has went on to say that he would give up everything to fight this fight, but we don't know if every player has the same sentiment to give up everything when they've worked their entire lives to get here. So I do see both sides of the argument being a, someone who makes her living in sports. Of course, I want sports to come back and I do think they could use their platform to spread awareness for certain issues or even negotiate with the NBA to maybe you know, donate to certain causes that they believe will help the community. But I also can see how they think that uh, giving people a distraction will literally do just that and distract them from bigger issues in the world. All right, Crystal, we have pretty much used up all of your time, but I have one more question I want to squeeze in. That okay. guy we mentioned earlier, CBS 3's Don Bell, he said this about your hoops game, and I know you got game. I've seen some of the video. He said her jumper is nice, but her Eurostep defense is trash. <laughs> yeah well i'm glad he gave credit where credit is due because he knows i'll put up a jump shot in his face we go to the park in philly and we play uh pre covid 19 and you know i think that guys sometimes can't give girls all the credit they try to you know sneak in a little compliment just to lessen the blow but he knows if we went one-on-one -on -one, who would take that game Ooh, i don't wow. like to brag but Sometimes I do. <laughs> there you Love go. It. Well, Crystal, we are out of time. We appreciate you coming on with us. Great stuff. Great stuff. Keeping us up to date. And uh, congratulations again. Thank you guys for having me. All right. Thanks, Crystal. All right. Hey, Chet, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you. All-state insurance in Westchester, PA. Yes, we do, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an Allstate insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who's dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. Call Dave today at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania, 610-430-0700. Again, 610-430-0700. And, Bill, you remember I was out in Las Vegas a year ago this week, and I actually did go to see the legendary Barry Manilow a night or two before his 76th birthday. Well, today, Barry is celebrating birthday number 77, and he's, of course, doing so at the Copa. They were young and they had each other. Who could ask for more?
That's you, Chet. Hey, we got to get off that subject really quick. Hey, bad news, as you mentioned, in the opening coming out of the Novacare Complex with the season-ending Achilles injury to Pro Bowl guard Brandon Brooks. Is Jason Peters going to be that guy? You think uh, that's the easy fix, or is that the right fix? Well, first of all, it is a bad injury, not just for Brooks, but for the Eagles as a whole. He's been terrific, and when he and Lane Johnson are there on the right side together, that's one of the best right sides of you know in terms of the o-line in football uh now as far as what the eagles will do i know freddie burns our buddy is one of those campaigning to bring jason peters back in and plug him right in there at right guard i'd be in favor of that and i think jason said last year that you know if need be he would play guard in the future i don't know if he thought it would you know be under these circumstances but uh i would love to see it i think that would make the most sense so yeah i'm in favor of it bring Peters in there, put him at right guard, because I want to see what Dillard can do at left tackle. If not Peters, I guess one of the other uh, most obvious options would be to plug Matt Pryor in there. So we'll see what they do. Yeah, we'll see what they do. But, hey, uh, I wanted to bring this up. Our producer, Billy, behind the scenes, uh, he worked in an NFL camp last year. So I wanted to ask him, with the present COVID-19 rules, and and we just went through a lot of that uh, with Crystal for the NBA, Uh, Is it possible to even pull off an NFL camp, Billy? Uh, John Harbaugh doesn't seem to think so. Uh, Yeah, it's definitely possible. Um, It's just not going to be the normal, your normal routine. I mean, you can do, uh, you can do uh, meetings virtually, um, but you just won't have the guys um, around as much. the biggest thing that, that you'll probably see is that um, you probably get some preseason games canceled because these guys, you're going to have all these soft tissues, you know, with held hamstrings and, and whatnot. So are, you, are they, uh, when, when you're in camp, is there a lot of contact hitting to begin with a lot, a lot of contact or is a lot more drills and, is it going to be a problem with hitting bags and hitting sleds and hitting anything else they might want to hit besides humans? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a regular practice. you got drills, and then there's team drills, and there's, um, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, the, I'm trying to do two things at once here, so I'm trying to think. Um yeah, they're still hitting and everything, but you got to remember there, there's also usually um, OTAs and you know all the other stuff. The, the guys are their bodies are in are condition, so now you haven't done anything since maybe January. You can't go to your home gyms because they've been closed. Um, so you got you know they're coming literally coming in after six months of doing nothing. So you, it's gonna you're gonna have to build up slowly to to get back into shape and and you got four weeks to do it before preseason games start. Gotcha, Chet. Anything to add to that? No, that pretty much covers it. So uh, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be unlike you know any football season we've ever had before. So we'll see. Yeah, I think I think my takeaway so far is that uh, some of those preseason games are going to be canceled and they're going to need more time to get those guys in shape, like, like Billy saying that, uh, you know, if uh, you normally would get a couple weeks, now they're going to need more weeks and they certainly can't get these guys hurt 
uh, a pulled muscle ends up not going away for the whole season. So that can't be good. All and, right. And your other, your other thing is going to be, you'll probably see is the, the cut down usually happening week, week three, week four, whatever it may be, are probably going to be earlier because they're trying to get people out of the building. Yeah. You know, 75, you don't need 75 guys there that you know, are, you know, half are getting cut anyway. You know, get them, go ahead, give them their week or two and, and cut them, you know, get, get them out. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, it will. All right. Well, hey, thanks for that. Uh, Chet, moving on. Uh, I saw some photos of you from the outdoor setting at the reopened Irish Rover Station House. Great news for the Irish Rover Station House. Not great news for us to have to see your photos. <laughs> well, you did see some pictures, of course, and you did make some snide comments about said pictures. Of course, I'd be expecting nothing less. Uh, it was last Thursday evening, my second time there in five days, but who's counting? Always great to get back to the Irish Rover, hang out at one of their outside tables. And yeah, we all behaved. There was no hugging, no handshaking, and it was mostly guys, so there was certainly no kissing. Uh, I kept my distance. I did cozy up to a couple or three beers and an order of wings, my favorite, sweet and spicy. They are delicious. Just the right amount of both of those adjectives. It's great to always, you know, get to the Irish Rover, and it's uh, good to see that they are doing well with this new schedule. For now, it's the outside patio area that is open Wednesday through Sunday, 3 to 9 p.m. As always, they have a great menu and a darn good beer list, too. So go see for yourself. It's the Irish Rover in Langhorn and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. All right. Good stuff. Glad to have them back in business. And uh, like all the other small local businesses, glad to have them. Well, hey, yep. Chet, baseball seems to be the furthest sport away, I guess, as of yesterday. Today, it looks like they may have made some giant strides uh, getting some of these COVID issues taken care of. Of course, we got labor issues to deal with, but let's try to get the bottom of that uh, as well as, as well as the modified Major League Baseball draft that took place this week with Marshall over. Marty, welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio. Hey, it's great to be back. Thanks, guys. Hey, Marty, that was Bill. This is Chet. Uh, we were going to go right into the draft stuff, but there was some news today regarding the negotiations, which looked like they were almost dead a couple of days ago. Now there are reports that they are closing in on a deal. Uh, nothing specific yet, maybe a 65-game schedule or something like that. Have you heard anything? And, you know, what would it be like playing a 65-game season? Would you be happy with that? You know, I, I think at this point we'd all be happy with anything that they propose. Uh, it's just important to get back on the field, I think, for for the players, for the organizations, and and more importantly for the fans. I, I think uh, the longer this goes, it pushes more people away from the game, and, and we certainly don't need that at this point in time. Yep. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I guess we, we just had uh, Crystal Rich on talking NBA with us, uh, Marty, and the, and the package that they just came out with the coronavirus uh, protections and all that for for basketball. Uh, I'm sure baseball is going to be very similar and, you know, getting through all the labor issues has to be one thing, get through the coronavirus deal is going to be a whole nother thing. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's a few roadblocks, uh, speed bumps, whatever you want to call them along the way that, you know, you're going to have to navigate and they've, they've done a, a, I think a pretty good job to this point in some regards and some aspects, but there's still a lot ahead of that. A lot of uncertainty that none of us really know for sure. 
uh, what's going to be allowed and what's not going to be allowed. And, uh, you know, until that time, you just, we just got to get on the field and get this thing moving in the right direction. Yeah. And hopefully that will happen in the next few days or weeks. And then uh, they'll start playing around July 19th. If all goes well. Well, Marty, it was two years ago that you were on with us. We talked about a lot of different things regarding, you know, scouting players and all that. Uh, this year's draft was just five rounds instead of the usual 30. I want to ask, does that make it easier or does it make it tougher knowing that every pick is so important? You know, a little bit of both. Um, I, I think it was easier in the fact that you could really um, focus more so on the players that you had specific interest in and didn't have to spend a lot of time on those that probably weren't going to be a fit within those 150 or 160 players that were taken. So, uh, you know, in that regard, it, it made it a little bit easier to focus more on those guys to spend a little bit more time. Uh, the downside of course was, I thought was the fact that there, you know, uh, back in the day, we took a lot of players uh, that were later round draft picks that ended up playing and being big contributors in the big league. So uh, some of those guys didn't get an opportunity and hopefully they will here in the next few years when the draft expands back to, however many rounds they decide upon. Well, Marty, the, uh, the Phils took Mick Abel in the, in the first round with the 15th pick, 6'5", 190, big kid. Um, without talking specifically about him, um, what's the risk versus reward of taking a high school pitcher versus a college pitcher? You know, it's always a great discussion. And uh, in our time in Philadelphia, I thought, you know, from Gavin Floyd to Brett Myers to – uh, Ryan Madsen to uh, I can go on and on about right-handers Kyle Kendrick that we took that were high school kids um, and a couple of those guys were first rounders so I you know I, obviously I think if you look at the percentages they're probably not in your favor but uh, nonetheless I think that's what true scouting is all about uh, you have to go out and you have to try to acquire the best player that you deem that you know at that time and I thought Brian Barber uh, in his first year did a tremendous job and I think Abel is and in our view, anyway, Abel was the best right-handed high school pitcher on the draft board this year. Well, speaking of pitchers, uh, sounds like you're Marlins. We mentioned you're working with the Marlins now. you got a real good one at number three overall, Max Meyer out of Minnesota. One of your colleagues in Miami says that he is very close to being big league ready already. Is that true? You know, I, I, I think so. It's, uh, I've been doing this about 37 years now, and, and – uh, I had a chance to see him pitch up in Minnesota in February before everything came down. And, and uh, you know, it's not often you walk out of a park and you go, you know, that's something that I haven't seen in a long, long time. And that's really how I felt when I walked out after seeing that. It's, uh, uh, I, yeah, I think his stuff certainly could play in the big league level. Uh, but there's a lot of other things that go into that. You know, uh, that's a whole different atmosphere than he's used to at the University of Minnesota. But uh, his makeup, everything, all the background that we did on him, I think he's more than capable, and and it wouldn't shock me if he did do that. Hmm. Wow, that's good. So, hey, Marty, you you mentioned how many years you've been doing this. How many baseball games have you seen, by the way? Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> you know, way too many. It's uh, you know, and one year I I started to keep a log and like a, a little diary of of uh, different things, and and uh, I got into it about two weeks and. A lot of writing and a lot of uh, a lot of extra work that I just didn't have time for. But no, it's it's uh, you know a whole bunch and enjoyed uh, damn near all of them. Hmm. Well, I don't know how much you can speak about another team's player. The Phillies drafted this guy Casey Martin in the third round. He's a middle infielder out of Arkansas. I believe some experts say he could end up as an outfielder. Though, do you know much about Casey Martin? 
You know, I do. I, I saw Casey play a, a, a bunch uh, last summer, and uh, I've seen him at the University of Arkansas. And uh, I'll tell you, from a pure scouting standpoint, his tools uh, probably are first-round tools in many ways. Uh, he, he can run, he can throw, he's got some power. Uh, you know, of course, the biggest negative was he swings and misses a little bit too often. But uh, quite frankly, I said the same thing about Ryan Howard back in the day. So, and I'm not certainly not drawing a comparison there, but I can tell you, they, they had one of their better scouts in, in Brad Holland, who does the Midwest and, and uh, does a tremendous job. And, and they did their homework. And I, I think it's uh, at that point in the draft, it was a great selection. And, and uh, you know, if he puts the ball in play a little bit more, I think they're going to be really, really happy with what they did. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you about that Carson Ragsdale. He's a huge kid, too, six foot eight out of University of South Florida, coming off of Tommy John. Uh, is everybody coming off of Tommy John pretty much these days? It's not, does that really even factor in if they've been able to have any kind of comeback? You know, it, it's a factor. I mean, it, it's it, it's in the back of your mind per se, but you're exactly right. It's more commonplace now than it ever has been before. Years ago, uh, if, if a player had something like that that had gone through that procedure, we normally would probably walk by and go to the next healthy guy. Uh, but I think it's it's come so far that uh, many guys have gone through it and have, uh, you know, rehabbed and, and gotten back to the point where they were before. And some even have gotten better with more velocity. So um, I don't view it as a negative anymore. And, and uh, I think a lot of clubs are kind of uh, taking an approach that way too. Hey, Marty, NBC Sports Philly this month has been showing the Phillies 2008 run through the postseason, culminating, of course, in that World Series title. You were there for that whole era as a guy who drafted Cole Hamels and was part of the scouting staff when some of the other key guys were selected. How satisfying was that for you, that whole era of Phillies baseball? You know, it, uh, it's, I, I think of it all the time. It, it, uh, I, I love the city. I love the people. Uh, and the players on that team, it was really, I think seven of the nine on the field at one time were all guys that we had drafted and uh, signed and developed. And so, uh, from that perspective, I was really pleased, obviously what our scouting staff had done, what our player development group had done. And, you know, I, I can't say enough about, um, uh, you know, developing your own players and the continuity that they have as they move through the minor league systems and, uh, how they lean on each other and grow together and, uh, it was very satisfying. I mean, I, I probably my whole career, I think that was probably the most satisfying thing to see that happen. And, and quite frankly, it should have happened a couple other times. I thought, I thought, uh, yeah. the 2007, I thought was a learning experience where, uh, it was a little bit of an initiation and unex not unexpected, but we were new to the party. And then after that, I thought the next four years, I thought we should have probably won at least two, if not three in those next four years, but you know, things happen. And, and, uh, uh, but one is great, and, and uh, uh, it was a great experience. Hey, Marty, I want to ask you, uh, when uh, a lot of times the farm directors and those guys end up being the, the odd guys out when new management comes into an organization, the, how does the direction get passed down into the minor leagues and, and all from – you know, I, I guess where I'm going is when Gabe Kaplan was here, there was a different hitting philosophy. And that philosophy seemed to get pushed down to the minor leagues and some guys didn't buy in and ended up gone. Um, do, does that come from the manager to general manager ownership? Is it a, a, a company wide decision basically? You know, I think it varies from organization to organization. And uh, uh, you know, 
I was never a big advocate of um, uh, cloning players and making them all the same because uh, they bring so many different things to the party from size to strength to, you know, what their abilities are and, and what their deficiencies are. So uh, I was never a big advocate of that. I think you have to take the strength of the player and make the most of what they have to offer and, and move in that direction. So, and there's other people that think there are certain absolutes that have to occur in order for a player to succeed. And, and uh, um, I'm not necessarily a, a believer in that. I think there's exceptions to every rule. So, um, you know, that, that goes usually from the top on down and it filters out through the system. And uh, some people claim success. Again, I, I never tried to reinvent the wheel. I listened to a lot of great people like Dallas Green and people that have been in the game a long time and tried to pick their brain, Paul Owen, you know, what succeeded, what made us better, how are we going to do it and who are we going to do it with? And those all led to, I think, what was probably the greatest run in that organization in a long, long time. And Marty, among your final few draft picks while in Philly, Aaron Nola and Reese Hoskins. And the first baseman really struggled the second half of last season. While you don't get to see him all the time anymore, I'm sure. Uh, do you have faith that he'll turn it around whenever baseball does come back? Because I, I like Reese Hoskins, but he was really awful the second half of last year. What do you think about Reese? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I think he will. And, and, and I think, uh, uh, he, you know, he's made right. He's an intelligent guy, great aptitude. Uh, and obviously has the physical tools to do it. I think sometimes players put pressure on themselves and uh, sometimes, sometimes that comes from up above. Sometimes that comes from inside and sometimes it's both. And uh, as a young player, which he still is, uh, that can grab a hold of you and put you in a tailspin before you know it. And you have trouble digging out, but I have no uh, doubt in my mind that uh, he'll succeed and, and get back to where he was previous. How do you like the Joe Girardi hire in uh, Philly, Marty? The Philly fans sure took a quick liking to Joe. Uh, he says all the all the right things that the you know the hard nosed Philly fan likes to likes to hear. Uh, how you like the fit? You know what? Um, I think you summed it up best. Uh, you know, I, I met Joe years ago, and, and uh, that's it. I met him. I don't know him, but I can tell you just by the way he handles his team, how he handles himself. Uh, he represents the city. It, it's the core of what the city is all about. You work hard, you play hard, and you expect people to do what they're supposed to do and be accountable for what they do. And for me, uh, you know, if, if you're not, the people in that city can see through it real quickly. And they're going to let you know real fast uh, if it's going to fly or not. And Joe is not going to do that. Joe's going to tell you exactly what he thinks. And he's going to hold those, hold those guys accountable, which I think um, is, that's all you can ask from an ownership standpoint and, and from the players you put on the field, I think that's all they can, they can ask and want from their manager. Um, Marty, Jimmy Rollins career, you were there for most of that while he was in Philly. Um, I'm more optimistic than other people about J rolls hall of fame prospects. Do you think he's hall of fame worthy and will he get serious consideration at some point? You know, I, you, you're right. I remember seeing Jimmy in high school when uh, we first started in Philly and, and, uh, he had a tremendous career. I, I think uh, he and Chase both are two guys that uh, uh, certainly should be on the in consideration for a lot of people. Uh, you know, sometimes it goes beyond the numbers and his numbers, both those guys' numbers are pretty darn good. But I think what, what they bring to the party and how they lead teams. And, uh, you know, I, I always maintain that when the ball was on the ground at shortstop, it was an out because Jimmy Rollins was going to pick it up and throw it across and you're going to be out. So, 
you know, that meant a lot to the club. It meant a lot to the pitchers. It meant a lot to the managers. And I think the swagger that he brought and, and Utley's, you know, uh, you know, focus, I think both of those guys uh, down the road should certainly deserve some type of consideration. Fantastic. Well, hey, Marty, uh, we are out of time. Uh, we appreciate you coming by to talk to us and good luck to the Marlins this year, except when they play the Phillies, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. It's always good to be on guys. Good luck. All right. Thank you. Thank very you, Marty. Much. Appreciate it. Yeah, take right. care. Hey, Jed, let's take a quick break and thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They'll continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They've changed things up just a little bit yet from with very popular mystery boxes and Raz's with just 11 lines available. So your chances of winning are now 1 in 11. Great odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118 Razroom. That's right, PPCC118 Razroom on Facebook. And, hey, Bill, a couple other birthdays that I want to mention, uh, in addition to Barry Manilow turning 77 today, our pal Arkansas Fred Barnett is 54, so happy birthday, Fred. And on Thursday, it is number 44 for that Blake Shelton. The boys around here sending up a prayer to the man upstairs. Backwoods legit, don't take no lip. Shoot a back, shoot a back, shoot a back, a spit. Of all the Blake Sheldon songs, not that I know a whole lot of, but you had to pick that one. That's got that country twang, man. Chew tobacco, chew tobacco, chew tobacco, spit. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Chet, great guest tonight in Crystal Rich and Marty Wallaber. Who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Well, I didn't have time to write anything up because I just uh, got confirmation a couple hours ago. We are going to be joined again live via Zoom and Facebook Live by a guy who's been with us a couple of times before. He's been around Philly for a long time. Uh, Leslie Goodell knows him very well. They were on-air spouses, you might say. Neil Hartman, formerly of Comcast Sportsnet. These days, he's running a play-by-play -play sports camp. Has to do it virtually this year, of course, with the pandemic. But uh, Neil Hartman is going to talk about what's going on with that and with everything that's happening in the sports world, especially as it pertains to Philadelphia. Yeah, I tell you, when we had Neil on the last time, he was he was very good. Had that camp uh, kind of just getting up and going, and it was uh, very successful. And I'm sure it's really successful now. Yeah, we can't wait to have Neil on. Yeah, he's got one coming up uh, the end of June. So right after he's on with us next week, he's going to be starting this virtual camp. And I saw that it's already sold out. So uh, he's doing very well with it. All right. Just Neil for now. Yep. All right. Good deal. Well, hey, Chet, we modified, updated our Philly Press Box radio website where you can now watch this podcast. We have Vimeos, some current Philly sports articles and so forth. And we now have that YouTube channel up and running and, uh, we keep adding to it. It's pretty good. Yeah, and the website is phillypressboxradio.com. That's looking good. The YouTube channel, simple to find. You go to YouTube, type in Philly Press Box or Philly Press Box Radio in the search tab, and it'll take you right to us. We presently have 22 videos there for you to check out and enjoy. Our last seven or eight full shows are up. We'll have this one up in the next day or two. Even some fun non-sports interviews as well. Again, go to YouTube and find us. Subscribe also to Philly Press Box Radio. Also, if you want to find or want to buy one of these fabulous T-shirts just like this, 
Uh, we still have some left, some with the green logo, some with the red, uh, more of the green than the red as it is right now. Um, you'll see that on our website, phillypressboxradio.com. Uh, you can contact us through there or through Facebook, and we'll get one out to you. Maybe even you'll get it Saturday or Monday or Tuesday. Father's Day is this Sunday. It makes a great gift. Yes, it does. Absolutely. Well, hey, Chet, um, the NHL jumped a little ahead of Sam Cartivi's schedule last week uh, regarding getting started, and Boy, it still seems like it's a long way away. Some of the Flyers are in for East already, but no sign of Claude Giroux and a bunch of others aren't around either. I got to be honest. I know some guys are there, but I haven't really been checking out the list of names. I don't know who's there. Uh, still too soon for me to get excited about it. You know, like in a regular season, I don't really get too excited till around January. I'm not going to get excited until it's closer to when they're really st- gonna drop the puck so once everybody's there and the thing is definitely a go then i'll pay more attention to it so have you been following do you know who's there and what's going on no i really don't know because they haven't made that big a deal out of it but uh i don't think many of the big name players are in and uh you know sean couturier came up with some questions yesterday from the health standpoint he's concerned wants to know uh you know his concern is what happens when one guy tests positive and you're going to make half the team go away and it's game seven of a, of a series. What, what happens, you know, uh, there, yeah. again, it goes back to the coronavirus and so many empty questions. Well, hopefully the, the powers that be within the NHL have a, a plan for, all, for all of that. You know, if it's one or two guys, I guess they're going to sideline them for two weeks or whatever it takes. Uh, if it gets worse than that, then they got to think about, you know, other less, positive alternatives so hopefully it won't come to that yeah well i don't think they're going to be able to pick one or two guys out i just don't think that's the way this thing is going to work and i think that's where you know the real the real challenge is going to be and you know there's no minor league hockey so where are you going to go get the replacement guys if you still got to play you can't cancel the games well you're going to have a double roster uh, of guys working out that are on the go if, if you end up losing a handful because it could be, you know, you're going to lose guys in the NHL just through playoff attrition to begin with. Oh, sure. And they're going to be out of shape on top of it a little bit. I mean, there's there's going to be a lot of bang-ups. Uh, then if you end up losing a handful of guys to this, uh, it's a mess. As with baseball and, you know, football and basketball, this hockey thing is going to be something like we've never seen before. So, it's going to be totally different and who knows what to expect. I hope it happens because I would love to see, you know, how good this Flyers team can be, you know, getting ready on short notice for a playoff run. Cause they've got a lot of talent they were one of the best teams in the league, you know, early March. Yeah. Well, and I think I hate to say it, but that means absolutely nothing. Yeah, pretty much. You know, it's, it's a new season it's now. like walking into spring training, everybody's O and O and, uh, you know, everybody's got a, the, the teams that were on the outs now have a new life. Um, and, and healthy players. Everybody should be healthy when they come back. It's a whole new ball game. What happened before means absolutely nothing except maybe a break in the seating. Yeah, that's about it. You got it, Bill. How about a parting shot for you tonight? You have one? Oh, I do indeed. It's uh, the Brockmire. Uh, over the past few weeks, Bill, I did a little binge watching, taking in all 32 half-hour episodes of this show called Brockmire, which just last month finished up its four-year run on IFC. It is a comedy about baseball. More specifically, 
It's about a big league baseball announcer who in the first episode has an on-air meltdown after having just caught his wife cheating on him. Of course, he gets fired and a decade later gets pulled back into the game, starting with an indie league team in Western Pennsylvania, a team owned by Amanda Peet's character, Jules. Well, Hank Azaria is terrific as hard-drinking Jim Brockmeyer, who in calling a game would say things like, watching baseball sober is like eating vegan buffalo wings. I don't need to try it to know it's a terrible idea. Or he'll say, holy moly, that ball cannot be buried in a Jewish cemetery because it just got tattooed. Those kind of things. You know, it, it's fun. In the second season, he calls games for a minor league team in New Orleans and falls in love with Jules, but his drinking gets out of hand. The relationship fails. He ends up in rehab. And then Jim is sober the final couple of seasons of the show. But for season three, anyway, when he's calling games for Oakland, the show is extremely funny. There's also a four episode run featuring the great actor J.K. Simmons episodes that are both funny and poignant because Simmons character is battling terminal cancer. Along the way, the series also has cameos from guys like George Brett, Tim Kirchin, and Bob Costas. And yeah, even broadcaster Joe Buck is in five or six episodes playing himself. And that, that's a hoot, I got to tell you. Um, the final season fast forwards 10 or 13 years into the future, and it kind of goes off the rails a bit. But seasons one, two, and three are terrific. Just be forewarned, there is a lot of sex, there's a lot of cursing. There are also plenty of laughs. There's, it's, it's worth it, believe me. The show is called Brockmire. It is, or was on IFC, and I believe you can find all 32 episodes now on Hulu. Brockmire, check it out. All right, I'll have to. Uh, I got to tell you, I've never even heard of it, so. There you go. Bill, we talked last week about the top 10 greatest players since 1970 i gave you my 10 the top five were bernie perron at five steve carlton at four dr j at number three clarky at number two mike schmidt at number one i need to know who are your top five i can't really argue with your top five right there i, I could go with that i guess uh um you know i guess the other ones that would have to slide in there somewhere would be eric lindros i think you left him off your list and i didn't realize that last week when you ran him off there. Lindros has to be in the top 10. Um, so he would be in there. Iverson would have to be in there um, as I worked my way down. Uh, you said Carlton and Schmidt, right? Dr. J. Um, Brian, what, uh, Brian Dawkins. Uh, I'm not putting Reggie White in there. Sorry. Uh, okay. I got to tell you this. Uh, our pals Glenn Macnow and Ray Dinger both did their top five over the weekend. I thought I had it here with me, but I don't. But what I can tell you is they both had Mike Schmidt number one. I believe Glenn Macnow had Clarkie at number two, but Ray Dinger had at number two Reggie White. Yeah, well, good for Ray. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, I the more I've thought about the whole Bobby Clark thing and yeah. what he accomplished and all that, and you know. Him at number two is is not a bad place for him to be, with the longevity of his career probably a little bit ahead of Dr. J and and you know more championships and all that. I I can go with Clark at two and not not lose a wink of sleep. Well, you got the two Stanley Cups and uh, that that weighs a lot. Yeah, and and a handful of MVP awards too. Yeah. All right, we're done. You got anything else? Uh, just some sad news, Bill. I know you're disappointed about this. Uh, because of the pandemic, the 2021 Oscars will be pushed back by two months to April 25th. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm <laughs> sleep over that as well. 
Let's wrap this thing up. Let's thank our special guests, Crystal Rich and Marty Walver. Our sponsor is the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Razroo, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance of Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, June 24th at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook or listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, on Google Podcasts, as well as Apple Podcasts and others. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Let's play ball. <laughs>